The real question is this, how can you be more intentional in your relationship before the wedding day so you can live out a Christ-centered marriage that doesn't just survive, but thrives? Welcome to the Journey to Marriage show. We are your hosts and relationship coaches, Rafi and Sarah Fiolina. We believe that if it takes almost a decade to prepare for the priesthood, then a single course or retreat isn't nearly enough to prepare for a lifelong marriage. We help couples like you enter into your marriage vocation with confidence through developing your relationship. We're glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Journey to Marriage show. We are so excited to have another special guest onto our show. And um, you're going to get so much value from this episode because what we're going to be talking about is one of the biggest joys of our lives, but could be one of the biggest challenges as a couple um, on our journey to marriage. But what this individual has to share with all of us is that hey, it doesn't have to be super difficult. Like she has the expertise around this area and what we're gonna be talking about is wedding planning and how to how to plan a Catholic wedding with ease and how to do it as a couple and all these different things that we're gonna be talking about. And uh, we're, we're so honored to have our guest to be a part of our show. And she is the founder of Spoken Bride, a ministry for Catholic brides and newlyweds offering practical and spiritual written content. Um, a Catholic wedding vendor guide, apps, and all these different products to help Catholic couples throughout their engagement. She's also the author of Invited, the Ultimate Catholic Wedding Planner, um, whose second edition was released this year, this summer of 2021. She's been in so many different uh, publications in print and in person with EWTN, Brides.com, Catholic News Service, and so much more. And she is married to uh, her lovely spouse, Andrew, and they live in Maryland with their four children. And we're so excited to have her on our show. In our, on our show, so we wanted to introduce you all to Stephanie Callis. Hey, Stephanie. What's up? Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> this is so awesome. I'm glad that we're we're able to connect again. The last time we were able to connect was through the Catholic Engage Summit, yeah. where, we, where we interviewed you and Andrew and kind of talked all the things about marriage. And it's awesome to be able to connect with you again. And we're excited about your your new book that was Thank just you. released. And um, I know we'll kind of talk about a lot about that. And I know when we started, when we got engaged, like there was so many like Facebook groups and stuff, like teaching a lot of like wedding stuff, but a lot of secular stuff. And we were at that point, like we want to have an authentic Catholic wedding. We don't know how to do this. And then lo and behold, we were like searching on Amazon and then we <laughs> saw your book. We're like, this is, this is cool. And we bought it. And then this was, it was literally the guide that helped us to create the wedding that was probably the most memorable experience of our lives. Yeah. So. And now that we see you have your second edition out, it yeah. makes me want to plan another wedding. <laughs> 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 like, oh, so I can use this book and fill it out again. <laughs> yeah. And 
I've uh, joked with my husband about, you know, what colors would you pick or what songs would you want to have for the liturgy if we were ever to get married again? And once in a lifetime was more than enough for him. And so to hear that that's a motivation for you is one of the best compliments I could get. I appreciate that. Maybe we can use it for an anniversary. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really curious because I would want to know, like, do you have... Like, would you be able to share your own story of why you were inspired to even write this book or even like start this whole ministry, this amazing ministry of Spoken Bride? And like, I'm sure there there might have been like a, a story behind that that um, would help us to know more of why, like what you do is something that you're passionate about. And would you mind kind of sharing that? I would love to. Yeah. So I was married in 2011. My husband and I celebrated our 10th anniversary this year did not plan another wedding, <laughs> but it has been a really like joy filled and grace filled summer. Um, the year that we got married, we had nine other weddings on the calendar from um, close friends and family, uh, wow. college friends. And so um, I felt like it was just this constant circuit of, um, you know, attending Catholic weddings. And to me, it was really cool observing how other couples chose to um, to do the mass or to, um, you know, to decorate. Um, a lot of them were at our alma mater. We got married at our college, too. So I feel like we got kind of a little tour of all the venues in the area, seeing different, um, you know, decorating and style choices within the same space for, you know, a couple different weddings that that we had been to. Our wedding was at the front end, I think, of the 10 that we had that year. And so there were occasions where friends of mine would call and be like, you know, how can you be respectful when someone writes their boyfriend or girlfriend's name on the RSVP, but you didn't invite them and there's not a seat for them at the table? Like, how do you know what songs you can use for your mass? And at the time, I wouldn't have considered myself an expert, the only advantage over anyone else that I would have had was just that I had already been through the planning process, but, um, it was fun just to, to chat about, I was kind of still riding the wedding high at the time, like the fun of planning it and like the honeymoon phase of newlywed life. And then, um, we were in the honeymoon phase, but at the same time, I was actually unemployed for a lot of um, our first year of marriage. Um, Andrew was in grad school at the time, so I moved four hours from my hometown to um, live with him in the university town where he was studying. Didn't have a job right away, so um, a few months in, there was a call center uh, in this town, which is like when you call a customer or service line for a company, like the person who picks up the phone is probably in a call center, like giant room, like lines of desks, um, where just eight hours a day, the phone beeps, you pick up, you serve that person, you hang up, it beeps and you serve the next. And it was so draining. Um, it was for a bank. And so maybe that was part of it. Like customer dissatisfaction can be really high. If you're calling a bank, it's probably for a reason that you're not really happy with them. So I would cry like every day driving home, the training hours were crazy, like early in the morning, but a fruit of this time was that just during lunch breaks, during that job, um, I had like a notebook that I would bring in my bag if I ever wanted to write things down. I've always liked journaling and that kind of thing. So I had pencil and paper with me. Um, and as I was getting all excited to go to my friend's various weddings throughout that 
upcoming year, I was like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool if there was like something for couples to like learn about wedding planning? Or what if you could like learn about all the details of how someone met? A lot of the weddings that we had on the docket were mutual friends of Andrew's and mine, but some of the couples just by circumstance. And naturally one of us was closer to than the other, or maybe like we knew one half of the couple, the husband or wife, but didn't know their spouse to be. And I guess I have a natural tendency to like nosiness maybe that I want to know like, oh, how did these people meet? You know, what's their story? What was their proposal? How did they get from, you know, first meeting to, to getting married? It's just all so like fascinating and exciting to me to just kind of like see that part of a person revealed like your wedding can reveal who you are and like you know your first dance song and the colors that you choose like I just I love all of that I love that the idea of a wedding is like a reflection of of who you are and so I had this idea to start a wedding blog I just got a free like dot blogspot.com website started writing it um, and it launched in 2012 uh, a few years after that it had grown a little bit and the daughters of St. Paul, who um, are the publishers I've invited, they reached out and said, we see a need in our market for something, which is exactly like you guys described. Um, you know, there's a lot of secular wedding resources out there, which do offer, you know, a lot of value and a lot of information, but they said, there's nothing that we see offering like that practical kind of more secular side of the planning, plus the spiritual enrichment that can go along with that would you like to write a book about it? I said yes without really considering, you know, where anything might go. But um, I wrote the first draft of the book after my son was born. The following year, I had like a little noise machine playing on my computer. He'd be like sleeping on my lap and I would be trying to write it. <laughs> and then um, the publication date was a few years later. Uh, by 2016, it launched. So that was the first edition of invited. And then um, as the book launch was taking shape, I started feeling this desire to want to do more creatively with my writing and like try and reach more brides, not just so the book could do well, but I was kind of feeling I had like outgrown like my small little personal wedding blog, but didn't really know where to take it, didn't know how my gifts might translate into anything bigger. And so um, I had a friend, Jaisa Zito, who was a Catholic wedding photographer. We started texting as the book was coming out and she was like, my photographer friends and I have been saying like, wouldn't it be like so awesome if there was a way for photographers to find couples that already want vendors that understand a Catholic wedding mass and know how to help you plan and can be there alongside you through all of the ins and outs. And I was like, oh yeah, like, that'd be awesome. I wonder like what would ever become of that, but our conversations started to get more and more serious. Um, soon we were joined by um, a wedding planner whom I had worked with on a writing project in the past, um, Andy Compton, who is now my co-owner and my business partner with Spoken Bride. And uh, the three of us launched our ministry that year in 2016. Um, the first wedding was like this beautiful Southern uh, Louisiana wedding in a cathedral. And um, praise God, it took off from there. What started as just a blog and just a resource for Catholic wedding vendors um, now has grown into um, social media, an app, a podcast, and a shop. And so we feel just grateful that we can continue to serve a need for brides and to offer something that really shows that like the beauty and like the goodness of a wedding really can embody the love of God, like whether, um, you know, they've been to church 
in a while, like, I think it's evident when a couple is uh, really intentional and joyful about their wedding and just strives for the wedding itself to be a bridge, you know, like one of those preach the gospel at all times. I think it's evident when a couple is uh, really intentional and joyful about their wedding and just strives for the wedding itself to be a bridge, you know, like one of those preach the gospel at all times and use words if necessary kind of things, just like a beautiful, like sensory experience of a beautiful wedding liturgy and reception can be an invitation and can really embody what God is like to everyone who's present. That is so beautiful and awesome. Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing that. And I don't think it's nosy at all. Like you want to know about people's stories. I think it's just having that beautiful curiosity to hear where they've been and to now give them a resource to help them plan that beautiful wedding that embodies their relationship and Christ. I think it's really awesome. And to hear how your ministry has grown. Yeah, yeah it's awesome how like, when you say yes to the Lord and like opportunities, like with, with that courage and that trust that, Hey, th like someone's some, like someone could see that there is a need here and I'm just going to give my yes. I'm going to use my talents, my gifts that God has given me to, to do this, to write a book, to start this ministry and to see how that has impacted so many couples, like, especially like us, when we started, when we knew about your ministry, like, it's it's amazing and um, good on you you yeah. guys for actually doing this. Like just knowing that there was spoken bride out there made us feel yeah. less alone. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the fears that a lot of couples like even like wanting to get engaged because they're afraid of the wedding planning process. Like mm -hmm. they know that there's so much. It might be like a lot of money and all these things, and it stops a lot of like dating couples from even making that transition because they think like. It's just too much, but how you had it in the book is just in a very streamlined process that when someone could read it, they could like, for me, I was like, oh, I could like, we could do this. <laughs> and me being a guy that like, I didn't know much about weddings. I remember like t coming up to her when, <laughs> when we got engaged, I was like, oh yeah, our budget could probably be like $5,000. Give, <laughs> give you some context. We were in Hawaii at the time, but I'm I like, remember we had your wedding on the website and it yeah, looked yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, $5, it wasn't $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> but is those things like us men, we don't know, like we don't know what it entails. And then when we got your resource, we're like, oh, okay, so this is what it entails. But then I wasn't that overwhelmed because it had a process, like you had a process and I'm a very structured guy. I'm a military guy. So right. I'm like, oh, I, we could do this and that and that. And it got, it got us really excited. So um, thank you so much for, for, for doing that. Speaking about the wedding planning process, what have you seen like most engaged couples go through in regards to like forgetting something in the wedding planning process? Hmm. The biggest question that we receive at Spoken Bride usually has to do with timelines for the day, um, how to set up your wedding plans so that everyone is getting ready at a reasonable hour and that you still have time to take pictures before the ceremony, whether or not you're doing a first look, how to make sure that your family is in the right place either before or after the ceremony, like when do you do your first dance and your special dances and traditions at the receptions? And something that I actually didn't have as much knowledge about with the first edition of the book 
five years ago, something that has come from working closely with wedding vendors through Spoken Bride for the past several years um, is that I feel like I've become such an advocate for couples turning to their vendors as like their number one resource and like the number ones who are in their corner. Um, A lot of photographers and sometimes DJs, when you book with them, will offer a suggested timeline that lets them do their best work. And chances are, if you're working in a way that helps your vendor to do their best work, you're going to have the most satisfying experience and the most satisfying takeaways, whether that's, you know, the best looking photos or the most natural kind of flow for your DJ as the MC for the evening. And so um, for anyone wondering that question, who's listening, um, I would encourage you turn to your vendors first, say like, what do you find has been the best way to do things? Or, you know, have you worked in this venue before? Where do you think are the good spots? I know that for me, um, when I had been a bride, there was a little bit of a hesitation to feel like, oh, don't bother them. They have so many other clients or like just kind of figure it out so that they don't have to do all of the legwork. Um, But something that I have learned being kind of on the other side of the table now is that they want to be there to do that legwork for you so that they can serve you in the best way and give you the best experience for your investment. And so, um, yeah, I love answering those kind of questions, but I have come to recognize that I'm not necessarily the best person to answer them. The people who you have hired and who you've invested in, like I encourage you to communicate with them and to look into their advice, like tap into all of their talent. You know, you wouldn't have hired them if you hadn't observed that in them. And so take advantage of that. Mm, That is so true. Like how we feel like we don't want to be an inconvenience, even though we're paying them. A couple, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and like you have, like this is your wedding day. I know for us, we were... it was so much like if we didn't have a team, if we didn't have vendors, like, and we did things ourselves, we would not have been able to enjoy ourselves. Like the fact that we had to like leverage them and like, especially ask our coordinator to like protect us and actually Mm -hmm. allow us to eat and take care of ourselves and enjoy because we hear like those horror stories where couples, they can't even do they can't even have fun. They're just like so caught up doing all the other things, being busy. And I think that's what's so important, like with what you shared to to not try to like do things always yourself, like leverage your leverage a team, leverage your support system that's there to make that memorable, like that that event memorable for you. Like you don't have to be coming out of that event just like tired and stressed out. You should be coming out of that your wedding just like feeling uplifted, feeling inspired, yeah. feeling on fire, you know? I agree. Yeah. There's definitely a difference between selfishness and um just kind of like a sense of self-recognition and boundaries that will help you to thrive during the day, like you said, and just have it be as memorable and as sacred as everyone, you know, hopes that their wedding day will be. Mm. Awesome. Let's talk about men. Let's talk about men <laughs> and their roles in this whole wedding planning process because I kind of shared a little bit my, about my story. Yeah. Like when we got engaged, like I was, I didn't know what really my role was. I know like from, cause I, I just see and I hear from what, what secular, like the movies and all these different things like, oh, I'm the person that just supposed to give her the money. And, yeah. yeah. And okay, just do whatever you want like with it. But I, I'd be curious cause I, um, if if you could kind of share like what is the guy's role in this process so that we can be like just a lot more 
a lot more useful and supportive in this process because it is very stressful um, yeah. having gone through this whole process. Is there any tips here? Um, maybe like Andrew might have something to share as well. I know he's not here, but like anything that he has done that has helped uh, that whole process with you yeah. guys. Yeah, I think to any couple wondering this, I would encourage you to have an honest conversation about each other's expectations for the wedding. Um, I know one thing that Andrew and I did, this was just a random suggestion from a bridal magazine or from a website where it just suggested that we each write down our top three priorities for the wedding day, as far as what do we want to invest the most of our budget in and what do we want to remember most about the day. And that I remember being a really good guide for our decision-making because if a certain decision was related to something like, I think he had listed like the mass music and not wanting to have his groomsmen um, have to shell out um, like an inordinate amount of money for things like clothes and for travel. And then we both had said like photography and the liturgy. So for things not related to our top priorities, you know, like a cake flavor or a table setup or, you know, a pew decoration, it was a lot easier to just feel like, okay, like we'll use what's available to us or one of us can make a decision trusting that, um, you know, it's not going to be a disaster. It'll probably look fine. People will think it looks nice. And um, it brought a lot of peace. So I actually included that exercise in invited just a priorities exercise at the start of planning a budget and a start of um, trying to go through a checklist because I know that for us, it was really grounding. Um, and I think like you shared, Rafi, like that bumbling groom stereotype from all the romantic comedies. Um, I've picked up on the idea that a lot of men don't want to be in that role, but there's a little bit of hesitation, like, well, what is my role? Um, I know that one of like the great gifts of marriage for me, um, and this has like continued to develop long past our wedding day. Um, I guess I should rewind this a little bit and say a lot of my spiritual formation in college was through John Paul II's um, Love and Responsibility and Theology of the Body, where he talks so much about masculinity, femininity, and the ways that men and women complement each other. And it's all so beautiful. And like, you read it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm going to live this out. I'm going to be like the best woman ever for my man and in my vocation. And all of those instincts, I think are so good that I had. But when I first encountered it, I think it made me personally a little bit rigid about, oh, okay. Like the girl should do this in a relationship. The guy should do that. Um, as I got into a serious dating relationship with Andrew and now even more so um, as parents in our, in our marriage, there's become a lot more kind of interchanging of responsibilities where it doesn't feel like, Oh, like the wife does this in the home, the husband does this. Um, we just try to make it a point to communicate about what our needs are and like, who's going to do certain chores or errands or, or tasks during the day. Um, and whereas in the past I might've thought like, oh, like that's not my role or that's not his role. I know that for us, we found a lot more peace just understanding that if the desire is to serve and to sacrifice for each other, we are still embodying like true masculinity and femininity just by virtue of who we are. Like the understanding has deepened to the point that we know that we don't exhibit those qualities just by what we do, you know, our identity in Christ goes a lot deeper than that. And so, um, I think if I had known that during 
wedding planning too. Um, I can't think of any like specific, you know, disagreements or issues that we had related to that topic of, you know, complementarity and whose job is what, um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that maybe like a spirit of, of flexibility and just being very clear with one another's expectations for your roles might be able to eliminate a lot of that confusion. Yes, that is definitely important to be communicating your expectations or else that's where all the trouble comes in. Um, I know we see that a lot with our couples and they're not even planning for their wedding. So I feel like the wedding planning process is like a really good teamwork exercise. Oh yeah. my gosh. It's like yeah. the ultimate couples project. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like wedding plan- yeah. Wedding planning is like marriage prep right there. Cause you're literally doing like, you're going to have to mess with the finances together. Oh, you're yeah. going to have to yeah. like learn how to compromise and like learn how to work better solutions, like create new solutions and be creative. And like, there's like so many aspects of how that can really challenge your relationship and build that mm-hmm. up. Yeah. That is so, so beneficial. Like when both, both, both of us are actually working at versus, oh yeah, here you could do whatever you want. Right. And especially when it comes to like family mm. and friends. Oh yeah. Yeah. To like kind of intermediary between yeah. your respective yeah. families. Yeah. And I know that's also like a huge mm. pain for couples too with um their families. All of a sudden things like, oh, it's, it's my wedding. Like here you should listen to my ideas of how I want your wedding to look like. <laughs> um, so I guess my question here would be like, how would you advise like couples to manage their family's opinions and expectations about their wedding? Oh gosh. <laughs> I think I'd say that similarly to sitting down as a couple and communicating your expectations, um, if it's possible based on your locations, I know that some couples date long distance or they meet in, you know, college or in a town where they live after they've left their homes and their parents are, you know, far apart from each other. Um, if it's possible being able to sit down with both sets of parents, um, if they haven't met before, and also just to, to talk about the wedding, um, it can be a little bit uncomfortable to talk really specifically about, okay, like which person is paying for what items, like, I mean, break the ice first. Like I wouldn't say go in there, (laughs) you know, asking everyone to open their checkbooks or anything like that, but, um, clarity, uh, my husband and I, we always talk about this one book by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, where she says the phrase um, clear is kind. Sometimes uh, in a desire to not offend people or in a spirit of compromise, like we're not direct with what we want or expect of people or like a way that we might prefer to have something done. Thinking that like, oh, like we're being nice, like we're not hurting feelings. And that might be true, but ultimately like that can cause a little bit more confusion or lack of clarity or disagreements down the road. And so, um, I feel like that's pretty apt too when, um, when merging two families and getting familiar with each other's in-laws habits, um, clear is kind, you know, just with a spirit of charity and with a spirit of honesty, um, being able to have discussions about things like each family's financial contributions, um, what their expectations and what their preferences are for guests and for family members. I know that was probably the biggest challenge for us was the guest list and not being totally familiar with each other's like more distant relatives, like who it was really essential to, to invite and things like that. So, um, yeah, honesty, clarity, boundaries, I guess, just being able to stick within what you've committed to, uh, 
even when Rafi thinks you're trying to have a $5,000 wedding, like you got to stay with him. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, just communication, like, like so many things, like just like in your own relationship and your own marriage. Like, I think I've seen the ways in which that does apply to your lives with your families mm, too. Yes. You couples, don't think in isolation. Yeah. Couples really have to be brave when it comes to yeah. talking to oh, gosh. Their family yeah. members. Yeah. Cause it is really scary when you're trying to communicate to your parents, like, Hey, this is what I want. Yeah. Yeah. When all your life you had to like, listen to your parents and do what they say. So it's, it is a struggle, but it is possible to have peace with family. In yeah. Wedding plan. But it's better to speak up and like, let them know what you, you need or what you desire out of your wedding than to just like, yes, mom, yes, dad, I'll just do whatever you want. Like, this is your wedding day. Like, this is, this is the thing that, that you've been waiting for and you, you want to create that memorable event. And although you're going to get a lot of opinions and ways yeah. that, that they want to do certain things, there's like, you don't have to burn bridges. You can, you can just listen to them, listen to their opinions, but not get so easily like offended or take it personal. Cause I think a lot of a lot of people just take it personal, like, oh, my family members are right. doing this and doing that. And yeah, like you can't, like we can't control what our family members are going to share. But what yeah. we can't control is how we react to that. And we could just kind of just be there like, oh, wow, that's a great, that's a great idea, mom. Let me, let, let me talk to my fiance and we'll figure we'll we'll kind of talk about that and see if that's something that we want to do right you know? that's yeah. a way better way than handling it how like hollywood does i don't know if you've seen the movie monster in law with jennifer lopez oh i've heard of that yeah yeah it's I don't super hilarious like, I and it's just yeah. a lot of family <laughs> mess Mama, over yeah. wedding planning yeah yeah it never, it never ends. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, talk about preparation for marriage. I know for me, I'm like a classic, like oldest child, firstborn, like follows the rules. Don't like, you know, defy mom and dad. I was also pretty young. I was 22 when I was engaged, married when I was 23. And so there was this tension of feeling like I wanted to uh, feel comfortable, you know, taking a stand when and where it was appropriate while still having that respect and that deference to them when they were, um, you know, the biggest financial investment in the wedding. I know my friend's mom had said like, oh, you know, the bride and groom's parents are essentially the hosts of the wedding and the hosts of the rehearsal dinner, um, which was a good perspective for me. Um, I know that my family members and I certainly had our squabbles during the planning process, but remembering that their hosts, um, to me, that wasn't a statement that negated Andrews and my role as, as the bride and groom, but just kind of like showed a little bit of, of balance that, um, you know, just like our marriage takes place in community. So does, so does the wedding planning, like for all the good and the bad that it brings. Um, and I certainly don't say that to diminish, you know, any sense of pain in people who might have more difficult family relationships than I've had, or have, you know, a lot more distance or estrangement or, or whatever it might be. But um, yeah, in those cases too, I think just a sense of boundaries. And like you guys said, a sense of knowing what you can and can't control, like it might not be without pain, but hopefully the ultimate destination is a greater sense of peace, you know? Yeah. And just locking, locking arms in those, in those, uh, those little battles. Cause we could get so caught up in, in that and like taking sides with our family, but 
this is the both of you. you as you as you as a couple like this is the time where you got to learn you got to learn th- like when you, like the importance of expressing your needs you're gonna have to learn the importance of setting those boundaries because in marriage like the yeah. opinions never stop <laughs> like, <laughs> right. our, our family members have all the things of hey you should do parenting this way you should do and like again we if you have a strong relationship as a couple and you're mm-hmm. like on the same page and you're not like getting so swayed so easily from your parents um influence and just mm-hmm. being on the same page and just locking arms through everything it's just so much more peaceful more harmonious right because that's the new family yeah you're clinging to each other you're leaving your parents yeah 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 Yeah. i forget what it was andrew and i had some random like little spousal disagreement or something recently it wasn't a serious fight but i remember one of us was like it's not actually you versus me like it's us versus Mm -hmm. satan and like that sounds kind of silly but it also is the truth, you know, um, that image of, of locking arms that you mentioned and um, just like standing united as a couple, like it really is a new and distinct identity that you take on as, as spouses. And that's awesome. Hmm. Awesome. What would be your number one advice for Catholics still on their journey to marriage? So a lot of our listeners, they're still either discerning, they're preparing for marriage. Yeah. If you were to like boil it down to like one piece of advice, uh, for for them on their journey, like what would that be? Know who you are before God. I know that for me, um, I knew from like my teenage years, like you know, first chastity talk I ever went to was like the first time I ever thought about the concrete idea that um, I wanted to get married, and that meant that there was a specific person out there, God willing, that I would eventually find. And Mary, and I used to go to sleep, like counting on my fingers, like, oh, I hope he has blue eyes. And I hope he's from, you know, a family that likes to make a lot of food (laughs) together. And obviously like Andrew is the fulfillment of of so many things that are not just on that, on that shallow level. Um, And I don't think this was a constant mindset for me, but I can definitely see times in my college and young adult years where um, there was just this sense of waiting, like, oh, when am I going to? find this person, you know, through breakups and through crushes with other people, just always thinking like, well, when am I going to find my husband? Um, That desire was there and it was good. And so it would have been wrong for me to like press that down and to pretend that it didn't exist. But I wish that I had been more comfortable sitting with that sense of longing and sense of desire, but also channeling it into not just this attitude of like, when is this going to happen? For me, um, like I said, it wasn't just like this all day, like all consuming thought, but it definitely was on my mind enough that my mentality was very much like kind of like a sense of like awaiting my vocation. Uh, but as I, as I look back, I wish that I had like used those times of singleness or of dating other men before, um, I met Andrew, um, just to really like work on my prayer life, not just in, in petitioning God for my vocation or thinking like kind of this vague prayer of like, help me be the best future spouse ever, but saying like, Lord, like, what do you want me to know about myself? Like what other, what other calls are you drawing me to? You know, our vocation is our ultimate and, and our primary call, but all of us have so many gifts, you know, talents, hobbies, whatever it might be that can like serve the kingdom or that can really, um, you know, inspire and, um, and bring others 
to the Lord. So for anyone who feels that sense of waiting and that sense of frustration, like I've been there too. And I know that it's hard not to make that, you know, one of your primary prayers or just a thought that stays at the front of your mind. But um, I would encourage you, like, ask the Lord, like, what is it that you want from me in this moment? You know, how can I serve you without just waiting for the next thing, but being present here, like seeing what I can, what I can give and what I can offer the world now. Well said, well said. Thank you so much, Stephanie. And for all of our listeners, like you shared so much value and for all our listeners that want to just go deeper with you and build this relationship with you to learn more about your book and your ministry, like how can they go ahead and do that? Yeah. So you can find my ministry Spoken Bride at spokenbride.com on Instagram and Facebook at Spoken Bride. And uh, for my own work, including Invited and then some additional links to Spoken Bride and the newsletter for my book, you can find me at flowpage.com slash Stephanie Kallis. Awesome. And we'll (laughs) have all those links in our show notes so you could get right to her and get plugged in like get that book especially for all the, the engaged couples who are listening to this right now like her book is the resource that you're gonna <laughs> need like if you don't want to if you don't want to be confused you don't want to have to like figure the whole thing out yourself like this whole process especially for us men that don't know much about weddings like buy her book because it just gives you so much clarity and um, it has for us in our journey and we're so glad that we we were able to do that yes definitely do it and for the grooms maybe buy the ring and the book boom and then propose (laughs) prepared yep (laughs) oh i really do i hope it's fruitful for everyone who who reads it so thank you guys thank you so much so much thank you stephanie and we're praying for all of you holy couples who are listening on your journey to marriage take care and god bless bye we hope you enjoyed this episode If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast so you can get notifications of future episodes. Secondly, would you mind doing us a huge favor? If you received value from today's episode, please share it with your friends. Then, please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and this will also help us reach more couples preparing for the vocation of marriage. And lastly... If you want to go deeper with your life, spiritual, and relationship development, go to journeytomarriage.com slash resources to see a list of tools we personally recommend for your journey to marriage. Until Until next time, time, future future spouses. spouses.